0: Chapter Thirteen of Louisa de la Vallière. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Geins. Louisa de la Vallière by Alexandra Dumas. Chapter Thirteen: The Combat. De Ward and De Guiche selected their horses and saddled them with their own hands with holster saddles de guiche having two pairs of pistols went to his apartments to get them and after having loaded them gave the choice to de wad who selected the pair he had made use of twenty times before the same indeed with which de guiche had seen him kill swallows flying you will not be surprised he said if i take every precaution you know the weapons well and consequently i am only making the chances equal your remark was quite useless replied de guiche and you have done no more than you are entitled to do now said de wade i beg you to have the goodness to help me mount for i still experience a little difficulty in doing so in that case we had better settle the matter on foot no once in the saddle i shall be all right very good then we will not speak of it again said de guiche as he assisted de wade to mount his horse and now continued the young man in our eagerness to murder one another we have neglected one circumstance what is that that it is quite dark and we shall almost be obliged to grope about in order to kill oh said de guiche you are as anxious as i am that everything should be done in the proper order yes but i do not wish people to say that you have assassinated me any more than supposing i were to kill you i should myself like to be accused of such a crime did any one make a similar remark about your duel with the duke of buckingham said de guiche it took place precisely under the same conditions as ours very true but there was still light enough to see by and we were up to our middles almost in the water besides there were a good number of spectators on shore looking at us De Guiche reflected for a moment, and the thought which had already presented itself to him became more confirmed, that Duod wished to have witnesses present in order to bring back the conversation about madame, and to give a new turn to the combat. He avoided saying a word in reply, therefore, and as Duod once more looked at him interrogatively, he replied, by a movement of the head, that it would be best to let things remain as they were the two adversaries consequently set off and left the chateau by the same gate close to which we may remember to have seen Montalais and Malicon together the night as if to counteract the extreme heat of the day had gathered the clouds together in masses which were moving slowly along from the west to the east the vault above without a clear spot anywhere visible or without the faintest indication of thunder seemed to hang heavily over the earth and soon began by the force of the wind to split into streamers like a huge sheet torn to shreds large and warm drops of rain began to fall heavily and gathered the dust into globules which rolled along the ground at the same time the hedges which seemed conscious of the approaching storm the thirsty plants the drooping branches of the trees exhaled a thousand aromatic odors which revived in the mind tender recollections thoughts of youth endless life happiness and love how fresh the earth smells said duat it is a piece of coquetry to draws to her by the bye, replied de guiche several ideas have just occurred to me and i wish to have your opinion upon them relative to relative to our engagement it is quite some time in fact that we should begin to arrange matters is it to be an ordinary combat and conducted according to established custom let me first know what your established custom is that we dismount in any particular open space that may suit us fasten our horses to the nearest object meet each without our pistols in our hands and afterwards retire for a hundred and fifty paces in order to advance on each other very good that is precisely the way in which i killed poor foliva three weeks ago at st denis i beg your pardon but you forgot one circumstance what is that that in your duel with foliva you advanced towards each other on foot your swords between your teeth and your pistols in your hands true while now on the contrary as you cannot walk you yourself admit that we shall have to mount our horses again and charge and the first who wishes to fire will do so that is the best course no doubt but it is quite dark we must make allowances for more missed shots than would be the case in the daytime very well each will fire three times the pair of pistols already loaded and one reload excellent where shall our engagement take place have you any preference no you see that small wood which lies before us the wood which is called rochine exactly you know it perfectly you know that there is an open glade in the center yes well this glade is admirably adapted for such a purpose with a variety of roads by paths paths ditches windings and avenues we could not find a better spot i am perfectly satisfied if you are so we are at our destination if i am not mistaken yes look at the beautiful open space in the centre the faint light which the stars afford seems concentrated in this spot the woods which surround it seem with their barriers to form its natural limits very good do as you say let us first settle the conditions these are mine if you have any objection to make you will state it i am listening if the horse be killed its rider will be obliged to fight on foot that is a matter of course since we have no change of horses here but that does not oblige his adversary to dismount his adversary will in fact be free to act as he likes the adversaries having once met in close contact cannot quit each other under any circumstances and may consequently fire muzzle to muzzle agreed three shots and no more will do i suppose quite sufficient i think here are powder and balls for your pistols measure out three charges take three balls i will do the same then we will throw the rest of the powder and balls away and we will solemnly swear said de wade that we have neither balls nor powder about us agreed and i swear it said de guiche Holding his hand towards heaven, a gesture which Duade imitated, and now, my dear Comte," said Duade, "allow me to tell you that I am in no way your dupe. You already are, or soon will be, the accepted lover of Madame. I have detected your secret, and you are afraid I shall tell others of it. You wish to kill me to ensure my silence. That is very clear, and in your place, I should do the same." De Guiche hung down his head only continued de Wade triumphantly was it really worth while tell me to throw this affair of braugelon's on my shoulders but take care my dear fellow in bringing the wild boar to bay you enrage him to madness in running down the fox you endow him with the ferocity of the jaguar the consequence is that brought to bay by you i shall defend myself to the very last you will be quite right to do so yes but take care i shall work more harm than you think in the first place as a beginning you will readily suppose that i have not been absurd enough to lock up my secret or your secret rather in my own breast there is a friend of mine who resembles me in every way a man whom you know very well who shares my secret with me so pray understand that if you kill me my death will not have been of much service to you whilst on the contrary if i kill you and everything is possible you know you understand de guiche shuddered if i kill you continued you will have secured two mortal enemies to madame who will do their very utmost to ruin her oh monsieur exclaimed de guiche furiously do not reckon upon my death so easily of the two enemies you speak of i trust most heartily to dispose of one immediately and the other at the earliest opportunity. The only reply Duard made was a burst of laughter, so diabolical in its sound, that a superstitious man would have been terrified. But de Guiche was not so impressionable as that. I think, he said, that everything is now settled, M. DeWard, so have the goodness to take your place first, unless you would prefer me to do so. By no means, said Wade. I shall be delighted to save you the slightest trouble and spurring his horse to a gallop he crossed the wide-open space and took his stand at the point of the circumference of the cross-road immediately opposite to where de guiche was stationed de guiche remained motionless at this distance of a hundred paces the two adversaries were absolutely invisible to each other being completely concealed by the thick shade of elms and chestnuts a minute elapsed amidst the profoundest silence at the end of the minute each of them in the deep shade in which he was concealed heard the double click of the trigger as they put the pistols on full cock de guiche adopting the usual tactics put his horse to a gallop persuaded that he should render his safety doubly sure by the movement as well as by the speed of the animal he directed his course in a straight line towards the point where in his opinion de wade would be stationed and he expected to meet Dewad about half-way but in this he was mistaken he continued his course presuming that his adversary was impatiently awaiting his approach when however he had gone about two-thirds of the distance he beheld the trees suddenly illuminated and a ball flew by cutting the plume of his hat in two nearly at the same moment and as if the flash of the first shot had served to indicate the direction of the other a second report was heard and a second ball passed through the head of de guiche's horse a little below the ear the animal fell these two reports proceeding from the very opposite direction in which he expected to find watt surprised him a great deal but as he was a man of amazing self-possession he prepared himself for his horse falling but not so completely however that the toe of his boot escaped being caught under the animal as it fell very fortunately the horse in its dying agonies moved so as to enable him to release the leg which was less entangled than the other de guiche rose felt himself all over and found that he was not wounded at the very moment he had felt the horse tottering under him he placed his pistols in the holsters afraid that the force of the fall might explode one at least if not both of them by which he would have been disarmed and left utterly without defence once on his feet he took the pistols out of the holsters and advanced toward the spot where by the light of the flash he had seen de appear de had at the first shot accounted for the manoeuvre than which nothing could have been simpler instead of advancing to meet de guiche or remaining in his place to await his approach de had for about fifteen paces followed the circle of the shadow which hid him from his adversary's observation and at the very moment when the latter presented his flank in his career he had fired from the place where he stood taking careful aim and assisted instead of being inconvenienced by the horse's gallop it has been seen that notwithstanding the darkness the first ball passed hardly more than an inch above de guiche's head de wad had so confidently relied upon his aim that he thought he had seen de guiche fall his astonishment was extreme when he saw he still remained erect in his saddle. He hastened to fire his second shot, but his hand trembled, and he killed the horse instead. It would be a most fortunate chance for him if de guiche were to remain held fast under the animal. Before he could have freed himself, Wade would have loaded his pistol and had de Guiche at his mercy. But de Guiche, on the contrary, was up and had three shots to fire. De Guiche immediately understood the position of affairs. It would be necessary to exceed Dewad in rapidity of execution. He advanced, therefore, so as to reach him before he should have had time to reload his pistol. Wade saw him approaching like a tempest. The ball was rather tight and offered some resistance to the ramrod. To load carelessly would be simply to lose his last chance. To take the proper care in loading meant fatal loss of time, or rather throwing away his life. He made his horse bound on one side. De Guiche turned round also, and, at the moment the horse was quiet again, fired, and the ball carried off Wade's hat from his head. Wade now knew that he had a moment's time at his own disposal. He availed himself of it in order to finish loading his pistol. De Guiche, noticing that his adversary did not fall, threw the pistol he had just discharged aside, and walked straight toward Duwad, elevating the second pistol as he did so. He had hardly proceeded more than two or three paces, when Dawad took aim at him as he was walking and fired. An exclamation of anger was de Guiche's answer. The Comte's arm contracted and dropped motionless by his side, and the pistol fell from his grasp. His anxiety was excessive. "'I am lost,' murmured Dawad. "'He is not mortally wounded.' At the very moment, however, de Guiche was about to raise his pistol against Dawad, the head shoulders and limbs of the comte seemed to collapse he heaved a deep-drawn sigh tottered and fell at the feet of de wade's horse that is all right said de wade and gathering up the reins he struck his spurs into the horse's sides the horse cleared the comte's motionless body and bore de wade rapidly back to the chateau when he arrived there he remained a quarter of an hour deliberating within himself as to the proper course to be adopted In his impatience to leave the field of battle, he had omitted to ascertain whether de Guiche were dead or not. A double hypothesis presented itself to de Wad's agitated mind. Either de Guiche was killed, or de Guiche was wounded only. If he were killed, why should he leave his body in that manner to the tender mercies of the wolves? It was a perfectly useless piece of cruelty, for if de Guiche were dead, he certainly could not breathe a syllable of what had passed. If he were not killed, why should he, Wade, in leaving him there uncared for, allow himself to be regarded as a savage, incapable of one generous feeling? This last consideration determined his line of conduct. Wade immediately instituted inquiries after Manikam. He was told that Manikam had been looking after De Guiche, and, not knowing where to find him, had retired to bed. Dewad went and awoke the sleeper without any delay and related the whole affair to him which manikam listened to in perfect silence but with an expression of momentarily increasing energy of which his face could hardly have been supposed capable it was only when Dewad had finished that manikam uttered the words let us go as they proceeded manikam became more and more excited and in proportion as Dewad related the details of the affair to him His countenance assumed every moment a darker expression. "'And so,' he said, when Duat had finished, "'you think he is dead?' "'Alas, I do. And you fought in that manner without witnesses?' He insisted upon it. "'It is very singular.' "'What do you mean by saying it is singular?' "'That it is very unlike M. de Guiche's disposition.' "'You do not doubt my word, I suppose.' "'Hum, hum. "'You do doubt it, then?' A little, but I shall doubt it more than ever, I warn you, if I find the poor fellow is really dead. Monsieur Manicom, Monsieur Wade. it seems you intend to insult me. Just as you please, the fact is, I never did like people who come and say, I have killed such and such a gentleman in a corner. It is a great pity, but I killed him in a perfectly honorable manner. It has an ugly appearance, Monsieur Dawad silence we have arrived in fact the glade could now be seen and in the open space lay the motionless body of the dead horse to the right of the horse upon the dark grass with his face against the ground the poor comte lay bathed in his blood he had remained in the same spot and did not even seem to have made the slightest movement mani threw himself on his knees lifted the comte in his arms and found him quite cold and steeped in blood he let him gently fall again, then stretching out his hand and feeling all over the ground close to where the Comte lay, he sought until he found de Guiche's pistol. By heaven, he said, rising to his feet, pale as death, and with the pistol in his hand, You are not mistaken; he is quite dead, dead, repeated ded, yes, and his pistol is still loaded. Added Monicombe, looking into the pan but I told you that I took aim as he was walking towards me and fired at him at the very moment he was going to fire at me. Are you quite sure that you fought with him, Monsieur de Watt? I confess that I am very much afraid it has been a foul assassination. Nay, nay, no exclamations. You have had your three shots and his pistol is still loaded. You have killed his horse and he, de Guiche, one of the best marksmen in France, has not touched even either your horse or yourself. Well, monsieur de Waud, you have been very unlucky in bringing me here. All the blood in my body seems to have mounted to my head, and I verily believe that since so good an opportunity presents itself, I shall blow your brains out on the spot. So, monsieur de Waud, recommend yourself to heaven. Monsieur Manicombe, you cannot think of such a thing. On the contrary, I am thinking of it very strongly. Would you assassinate me? without the slightest remorse at least for the present are you a gentleman i have given a great many proofs of that let me defend my life then at least very likely in order i suppose that you may do to me what you have done to poor de guiche and Manicom slowly raised his pistol to the height of de Wade's breast and with arms stretched out and a fixed determined look on his face took a careful aim de did not attempt a flight he was completely terrified in the midst however of this horrible silence which lasted about a second but which seemed an age to dawad a faint sigh was heard oh exclaimed dawad he still lives help de guiche i am about to be assassinated manikon fell back a step or two and the two young men saw the comte raise himself slowly and painfully upon one hand Manicom threw the pistol away a dozen paces and ran to his friend, uttering a cry of delight. De Wad wiped his forehead, which was covered with a cold perspiration. "'It was just in time,' he murmured. "'Where are you hurt?' inquired Manicom, of de Guiche. "'And whereabouts are you wounded?' De Guiche showed him his mutilated hand and his chest covered with blood. "Comte," exclaimed de Wad. "'I am accused of having assassinated you.' speak i implore you and say that i fought loyally perfectly so said the wounded man Monsieur de wad fought quite loyally and whoever says the contrary will make an enemy of me then sir said Manicom, assist me in the first place to carry this gentleman home and i will afterwards give you every satisfaction you please or if you are in a hurry you can do better still let us staunch the blood from the Comte's wounds here with your pocket-handkerchief and mine, and then, as there are two shots left, we can have them between us.' "'Thank you,' said Wade "'Twice already in one hour I have seen death too close at hand to be agreeable. I don't like his look at all, and I prefer your apologies.' Manicom burst out laughing, and Guiche too, in spite of his sufferings. The two young men wished to carry him, but he declared he felt quite strong enough to walk alone. The ball had broken his ring finger and his little finger, and then had glanced along his side, but without penetrating deeply into his chest. It was the pain rather than the seriousness of the wound, therefore, which had overcome de Guiche. Manicom passed his arm under one of the Count's shoulders, and Douade did the same with the other, and in this way they brought him back to Fontainebleau, to the house of the same doctor, who had been present at the death of the Franciscan, Aramis's predecessor. End of chapter 13, recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah.